Good afternoon. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. As we head into May the 4th, uh, it's going to be a big weekend. May the 4th be with you, Jeff. That's right. Well, thank you, Cole. The 4th, may it always be with you too, Cole. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and then be ready for the Revenge of the Fifth the next day, of course. Right. Should I be speaking with a lisp the rest of the show, or oh, should please, I be please, please, please. speaking like Yoda for the rest of the show? I would prefer neither, <laughs> but if you have to choose. Well, this is Screen Cleaning, and each and every week we do our darndest to shine a big old spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. Last week we had our big Marvel Cinematic Universe movie bracket and we crowned our winners just today, actually. We did. We had a tie for first place, both entries only missing two within the bracket. That's really impressive. Uh, they were very good. They both picked Avengers Infinity War to win. Right. And it did. And if you want to go back and listen to that episode to hear what we had to say about those films, you are welcome to do so. You can find it on our podcast or at byuradio.org. Now, today on the show, we are going to be taking a look at all of the movies coming out this summer with our big summer movie preview show. And we will also be kind of breaking down certain trailers, some of our more favorite ones, some of the more effective ones. With all the big blockbusters that summer brings, so does it bring big movie trailers. That's right. But before we get to all of that, we, of course, have to share with you the very best in entertainment news Now, seeing as it is May the 4th, we need to start off with some rather sad news, and it comes in the form of Peter Mayhew's passing. The original Chewbacca. A giant of a man with a giant heart, as Mark Hamill said in his kind of Twitter eulogy for it. A very lovable man playing a very lovable character. Rest in peace, Peter Mayhew. Now, Cole, there's somebody on TV that is making news because he just can't stop winning. Yes. James Holtzauer is now the second most winning contestant in Jeopardy history. Wow. The small screen as well as the big screen is what we like to talk about here on Screen Cleaning. And I am a huge game show fan. Uh, Ken Jennings, of course, is the most winning man in Jeopardy history as far as games played at 74. But James is now in sole possession of second place with 21 victories under his belt, breaking a tie with Julia Collins. I remember her very historic run a couple years ago. Um, Matt had a couple really good ones. Arthur Chu is another... uh, great Jeopardy champion. These are my kind of people. I love I love the quiz show stuff. So this guy only has to win about 53 more games, right? Only, yeah. Oh, okay. He can do it. Why not? We if believe Ken in Jennings you. can do it, why can't he? All right. Well, that's exciting. Um, you know, I was so happy. This story put a smile on my face. A, f- a few weeks back, we did uh, Panning for Good about Sigourney Weaver making a video For this high school in New Jersey that was putting on a production of Alien. The stage show, I guess. I don't think I've ever seen a stage production of Alien anywhere, let alone a high school. Um, And so they did a special encore presentation of Alien. And guess who showed up to watch it? boy. Sigourney Weaver did. Yes. And they tweeted some of the videos of her interacting with the actors in the play. What an amazing thing. These are the types of stories that I love to report on because it's just an example of a celebrity using their celebrity for good. And it made 
it made the world of difference for these actors and it just made their day. And it's a it's a memory that they'll never forget, I'm sure. That's for sure. So aside from that, um, I was going to see a movie last night so that I could do a movie review. Sure. That's what we do here on Screen Cleaning. It wasn't going to be Ugly Dolls or any of the other movies that were coming out that were going to be rated R. I was kind of planning to see Ugly Dolls, but I accidentally went to the wrong theater. We do screenings uh, where we get to see movies early sometimes, and I went to... I went to the wrong theater, so I missed out on Ugly Dolls. See, now, if that had happened for me, I would have just been grateful and would have been able to shrug it off a little easier. But unfortunately, as I was trying to purchase my ticket for The Intruder using my Cinemia app, I kept getting this message that said, payment declined. So, okay, I I typed in another credit card, payment declined. So I Googled payment declined Cinemia And I saw a picture that somebody had taken of Cinemia's website that basically outlined that effective immediately, Cinemia is ceasing their U.S. operations. And for those so, that aren't up to date, oh. Cinemia is the newest movie pass. It's just another way for people that watch a lot of movies like Jeff and I to try to see some more for a little bit of a discounted rate. Um, as with all of them, its days were numbered. Yes. And the, that number came up. I don't even know that I could say rest in peace, Cinemia. I think it would just be just I, – I guess I'm kind of relieved that it's gone in a way because at least with MoviePass, I got to use that for a good solid year before things started to go downhill really quickly. I got almost a year in, yeah. Right. And it was annoying that you had to take pictures of all your tickets. It was annoying with all the restrictions that they started putting on it, like the peak pricing and not letting you see certain movies after a while. But it was still a bargain. Right. Even even till the very end, it still worked out, kind of. However, I will say that I had more headaches and aggravation caused by Cinemia than I ever did with MoviePass. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just fresher in my mind. But uh, I... At least with MoviePass, I knew that it was going to work most of the time until things started to go downhill. With Cinemia, it was always a gamble. Is the app going to work? Are they going to restrict my movie watching? (sighs) AMC Stubbs is still an option for people. It is only with AMC Theaters. Cinemark also has a similar one. But if you're in a small town like my parents, like where I come from, these big chain movie theaters don't exist there and so these kind of third party movie passes cinemas were really useful they're now gone so i wonder what what changes we're going to see in movie theater subscriptions cuz it, it looks i'm not too confident that these that these services like movie pass and cinemia are going to continue on i do feel like it it forced movie theaters into creating their own subscription Service. I think now that the last of the movie pass, movie pass is now a distant memory. Cinemia kind of cropped up and is now gone. I honestly would would venture that AMC Stubbs will go away before it becomes more common because it only cropped up by way of competition. They needed right. something to be there, but. All of these deals were losing money for whoever was involved. Movies are still a big money business, and the theaters need to still get their cash revenue up. I would estimate that that starts getting restricted until it goes away before it becomes more commonplace. 
Really? So you don't think Cinemark Movie Club or AMC Stubbs Premiere or whatever it's called is going to stay These things just around? aren't financially viable, as we've seen with two separate businesses totally going on. However, under. they've priced their subscriptions at a higher rate. So th- from that standpoint, it's a little more sustainable. But also, this is in-house. So they're not going to be losing as much money this way, I think. I mean, they weren't really losing a ton of money with those other apps because – Cinemia and MoviePass were still having to pay full price to purchase these the, tickets. The only way subscriptions work is if you can make it so commonplace to do it that you reach out to the people that aren't going to get the deal out of it. Right now, the only mm. people that are going and getting AMC stubs are the ones that are saving money by doing it. It's $20. They're the people that are going to three or four movies a month that are getting this, not the once a monthers, because they realize it's not. It's not financially viable for them. But if they can make it so commonplace that subscriptions are there, then maybe some of the casual fans start picking it up and then you can make back some money. But it's just not there yet. Well, I don't think it's a coincidence that my Cinemia app started working the day after I made a decision that I was going to start doing this special diet that was going to basically cut out All of my movie theater popcorn consumption. Best way to cut out movie theater popcorn, (sighs) cut out the movie theater. Well, when we return, we're going to be talking a lot about these movies that are coming out that I won't get to see very many of now. Um, Summer is the season. If if Cinemia was ever going to go under, it was going to be before they get inundated. Because when summer comes around, there is a movie every single weekend that is going to make box office news. We want to talk about it before it all happens. See what we think. And we'll do that when we return as we give you our big summer movie blockbuster preview. That's up next on Screen Cleaning. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. There are a number of movies that are coming out this summer that uh, I may not be able to see now that my Cinemia Pass is gone. But everyone else will be. This is blockbuster season That's and right. big box office season. What we want to do now, Cole, is we're going to do something bold. I don't think we've ever done anything this bold on Screen Cleaning before. We are making predictions that you will be able to keep track of and we will be held accountable to, which is very scary for us. Right. So when the summer's over, we'll revisit our predictions and we'll see who came out on top. And uh, now I, I understand there are some stipulations, there are some criteria that these films must meet, right, Cole? When looking at the box office, the summer season is defined by being the first Friday in May through the Labor Day weekend. So it has to come out, its initial release has to come out during that season, and all money made has to be before Labor Day. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of a teaser right now. Nothing coming out this weekend is going to make my top 10 list. Aw, sad. (laughs) Probably because it's the weekend in the eddy of the giant rock that is Avengers Endgame. Right. Avengers Endgame, just like Infinity War last year, came out the last Friday in April. Technically, the rest of its run is going to be in the summer season. And even without that opening week, it probably would be number one. But just so everyone is clear, when Avengers Endgame isn't on these lists, despite it's sure to make two billion plus dollars, 
it's not an official summer movie. Right. And so we're looking at all the other ones that we're looking forward to. And Cole, before we get into our top 10, I want to know your prediction on whether Avengers Endgame yes. will be the highest grossing yes, film of all time once Absolutely. it's ended its initial release. Worldwide, the number to beat is 2.7 from Avatar. That was assisted by a lot of IMAX and 3D showings, which Avengers doesn't have as much going for it. I still think it can get past it. But didn't Avengers Endgame hit a billion in the first weekend? (laughs) 1.2 after one weekend worldwide. A five-day weekend, a long weekend with the Chinese box office starting on Wednesday. But... Yeah, Avengers is well on track to take care of business. you keep saying worldwide, Cole, which is going to play an important role in our list because we are actually not going to factor in the worldwide box office. We're only going with the domestic haul for these movies. The Chinese box office is a big deal, and movie makers know it nowadays. They're making a lot of movies to cater to that, and that's really good because that audience is huge. And that's where a lot of of these big blockbusters especially make a lot of their money. We had to be specific. It was honestly a flip of a coin. We don't... it's it's not that one box office is more important than the other, but we are located in the United States. The domestic makes more sense for as we try to predict what the audience will be like. We're looking at domestic numbers for our predictions. This may make the list more difficult for me to predict, in all honesty, Cole. There were a few movies where it, it made a difference. You have to think, oh, this will play well internationally, but will it do the big numbers here And, of course, there are a number of films coming out this summer, but we are only going to focus on the top ten that we think are going to make the most money. So, Cole, why don't you start out by telling us what your number ten pick for the highest grossing films of this summer. My number ten domestically is a great example of this. I think it will do much better worldwide, but I think that Godzilla, King of the Monsters, will only be ten domestically. Okay, any idea of about how much money it will make? Yeah, we're looking – so the top 10 will be anywhere from 150 to $600 million, uh, domestically. So starting at 10, we're on the low end of that, like around the 150, 175 range. You are really close on this range for me. However, um, I'm predicting it probably won't go higher than, let's say, $500 million. But yeah, 150 well, is probably the low point so for me, too. So 500, 600, that's going to be the number one. Oh, yeah. So Godzilla, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would put the cap at Godzilla of like 225. Okay. <laughs> so, so far, we're pretty close on this. So what is Godzilla King of the Monsters all about? Anyway? It is the third movie in the big stinking monsters cinematic universe, which includes Godzilla 2014. King Kong, Skull Island, whatever that was called a couple years later. Don't pretend like you don't know, Cole. Kong Kong Skull Island. I love these big (laughs) monster movies. This movie, I think that we're getting Mothra. I think that we're getting a bunch of these other, uh, maybe, maybe Mechagodzilla. Um, A lot of these monsters are going to start showing up. You start recognizing like the three-headed dragons and all of these things. But Godzilla is the king of the monsters. I don't think he faces Kong in this one, but... Uh, maybe in a future movie, Godzilla versus King Kong. Right. And I, I do want to point out before I give my number 10 that not one of the films on my list is an original film. Uh, they are all either a sequel, a reboot, a remake, or a spinoff. Ooh, I've got one original. <gasps> 
I think I know what you're going to choose, but uh, we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. For my number 10 pick, I'm also going to choose a film that is not the first in the franchise. Not even a, I guess it's kind of a sequel to a reboot. And it's a movie that has kind of been long gestating and the release date seems to keep shifting around. But I do think people are going to be intrigued by this film enough for it to be the number 10 pick. And it is Dark Phoenix. Yet another X-Men movie. This one focusing on Jean Grey, who has some very interesting powers. Isn't that right, Cole? She's a telepath normally, but in the comics anyway, she is also inhabited by the Phoenix Force that sometimes takes over her consciousness and provides a lot of hectic shenanigans for the X-Men to have to take care of. And I do think people will be intrigued because this is going to be probably the the big test as to whether this girl from Sophie Turner from Game, from of, Game Thrones of Thrones can uh, be a viable box office hit. Right, Cole? I mean, I... It would be sad if her entire career comes down to this movie because (laughs) I don't think that it will do very well. This is the waning of the X-Men excitement. We know that they've been sold off to Disney. It's very likely that they will all just get recast whenever the X-Men make their way into the MCU. Right. Just just because this movie doesn't do well doesn't mean Sophie Turner isn't amazing, and right. anyone that's seen a couple episodes of Game of Thrones knows that. And just to give you some context, or just to give you some perspective, I should say, uh, the last X-Men movie to come out that featured all these same characters which, uh, was uh, X-Men Apocalypse, and domestically that movie made $155 million. Which is the lowest, though, of any of the X-Men movies in recent. And right. if you adjust for inflation, X-Men's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. It's the lowest gaining X-Men movie. Right. And so X-Men's on the way down. I have Dark Phoenix outside of my top ten personally. Okay. So then what is your number nine, Cole? Number nine is the original movie and one that may be outside of your top ten. I believe in Rocket Man. <gasps> really? You know, I gosh, now that I think of it, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody did quite well. It was Bohemian a Bohemian Rhapsody hit. wasn't even a summary movie, and it still got to 216 million domestic. I don't Uh-oh. think Rocket Man will be that much, but with the with the fervor that was Bohemian Rhapsody just last year, this is Taron Egerton kind of taking over. He's sung a lot before. He was in the animated movie Sing, singing quite a bit as that. Um, I think this has enough forward momentum, which is the opposite of what X-Men has, that I think it'll crack the top 10. Oh, man. I think you might be onto something, Cole. This, of course, is the Elton John biopic with the same director as Bohemian Rhapsody, asterisk. The second half of the Bohemian Rhapsody. (laughs) Interesting because Brian Singer was the director of a lot of the X-Men movies and Bohemian Rhapsody and the first half of its <laughs> right everything's connected you might be onto something cole that might be an upset for me number 9 is also godzilla king of the monsters ah, so we are both a little lower on this one than some of the other predictions that i was reading that's right. interesting and the reason i i put it at this spot is because i looked at uh, the the previous films and how well they did the the Godzilla in 2014 made $200 million in the United States. Listen to this, though. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. Godzilla grossed, like I said, $200.7 million in, a North, in North America, the lowest total 
ever for a movie that opened above ninety million dollars. So it made ninety million dollars its first weekend and then tapered off real quick. Yeah, one of the one of the things to look at when you think of box office numbers is does it have legs? Does it yeah. have the good word of mouth that gets people going back to see it? Bohemian Rhapsody, for example, not a huge opening. There wasn't this big release that you have to see it before it gets spoiled, you know, like Endgame maybe had. But yeah. people kept going to see it. A lot of musicals, things you can sing along to, think comedies. These are the kind of movies that have legs that Godzilla might not. Godzilla at least has those tiny little lizard legs that hover up above his chest, right? Well, those are arms. He's got yeah. big, massive, meaty <laughs> Godzilla dinosaur legs. Okay. <laughs> Number eight for me, and from now on, I think we're going to have all eight similar movies. Okay. We've gotten kind of the the different ones out of the way. My eight is Aladdin. Whoa, you're putting that at number eight, huh? Pretty low. I think that some of the negative backlash for the trailer might be to blame for some of this. Mm. Um, There's another bigger, better Disney live action remake coming down later in the summer. And so I think people might hold off on Aladdin because they're definitely going to see Lion King. I'm talking about Lion King. I will say people were pretty upset, like you said, after the initial look at Will Smith as the genie. Once the full-length trailer came out, however, or I don't even know if it's a full-length trailer, people were a little more optimistic, not because of Will Smith as the genie. I think people were, were still rolling their eyes over that. However, the, the feedback online, the overall consensus was people were excited once a whole new world came on into the trailer. And I will admit that part was pretty cool, but uh, interesting. It's on my list, but it's not number eight. What is your number eight, Jeff? That would be another reboot. This time, uh, I know we said we're not doing the international box office, Uh. but this one has international in its title. And I'm going with, for my number eight, Men in Black International. This sees the the re-teaming of Chris Hemsworth. Getting the gang back together from Thor Ragnarok. Right. And... um, Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson. As well as Liam Neeson is entering the Men in Black franchise. There is a little bit of a holdover in that Emma Thompson is reprising her role for Men in Black 3. Emma Thompson took over for Rip Torn when his Zed character died in Part 3. So she is kind of the new head of Men in Black, although I guess Liam Neeson is the head of International. We have yet to see. So I'm I'm a little skeptical about this film. I don't doubt it will be entertaining. However, the great thing about the original Men in Black series was that... Will Smith. Yeah. I feel like it was, first and foremost, a comedy and an action second. This one looks like it's the opposite of that. It's, it's from one of the directors of The Fast and the Furious, and... He, I believe, is going to make it an action first and a comedy second. Sometimes the trailers lie to you, though. They, True. They want to get butts in seats. They want to show off that action. It's possible that it's still the comedy men in black at heart. True. And we'll be talking more about trailers and how deceiving they can be later on in the program. But I still think this is going to be number eight. Uh, the last men in black movie that came out made about $179 million domestically. Which was too bad because it was it was so much better than part two, 
And uh, we'll see if Men in Black International can beat Men in Black 3. Anecdotally, I've not seen a Men in Black movie since the 90s, and so that's why I have Men in Black International also fairly low on my list. It's number seven for me as we work our way up. Oh, my goodness, Cole. So we're very close on okay. what we think about that. But what's what's your number seven then, Jeff? My number seven is going to be a spinoff. This is a movie that will do quite well internationally. It might not do as well here at home. And I'm not sure, since it's not a part of the Fast and the, Fur- and the Furious, it will do quite as well. I, Hobbs and Shaw, a Fast and Furious story, as or it were. it's called Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and, of course, Jason Statham. And uh, I've <laughs> you, you just mentioned how you haven't seen a Men in Black movie since the 90s. I haven't seen a Fast and Furious movie since the original, back in what 2001 and uh i don't know that i'll be watching this one as either at either not just because i don't have my cinemia pass anymore but i just am not familiar with these characters and don't really have the interest to see it the rock is the best part of this franchise and Mm. now he gets a chance to just be ridiculous we have idris elba playing the -the over-the-top villain as well and it is interesting to see how this franchise has morphed over the years though because it did start out as an action franchise right but then but then as they kept upping the stakes i think they realized they needed to have a tonal shift and once they started shifting the tone of these movies that's when they really started to make a ton of money although i think they've made a ton of money from the very beginning but fast five was the peak it was interesting the movies got better as they went along and not coincidentally, when you add The Rock to your movie is where it starts peaking <laughs> block, box office-wise. Okay. So uh, that was my number seven pick. What was your number six pick, Cole? I believe in Pokemon Detective Pikachu at number six. Really? Okay. Now, what is this movie going to be about, Cole? Because you seem to be more familiar with the comic books and the the games and the video games. So And the car. How is the TV this... show and all the other movies. Back in 1999, Pokemon, the first movie came out mm-hmm. with Mewtwo Strikes Back. But and what it did still it... makes me cry today. What did it start out as? It was a video game. Video Back game first. In the early 90s, in Japan, Pokemon Green and Red version came out. It was just a very simple, you are a character default name, Red, and you leave your mom's house and you go wandering through tall grass and you catch them all mm. on your journey to being the greatest Pokemon trainer. So how is Detective Pikachu different from just traditional Pikachu? So all of the Pokemon in the Pokemon universe speak by saying their own name. Mm-hmm. When you hear Pika Pika, that's that's what we all hear when Pikachu is quote unquote talking. Pokemon can talk to each other. I assume they understand each other. But generally speaking, when they talk, it's just their name. This specific Pikachu, though, speaks in the voice of none other than Ryan Reynolds. Of course. And our hero on the journey with Detective Pikachu can, for some reason, understand the Ryan Reynolds English version of what he talks. And it will surely be hilarious. Cole, you're going to love this. Number six for me is also Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Man, we're going to have to find some more differences if I'm going to beat you, though. (laughs) Oh, it might get a little different here um, because what is your number five? Number five for me is The Secret Life of Pets 2. We are really close on this, Cole. Now, why Secret Life of Pets 2? What is this movie all about? 
how is it different from the first one? I have no idea. Have you seen the first one? <laughs> I have. Have you not? Oh, no. Not at all. You um, take the lead. You can be grateful for that, Cole, because The Secret Life of Pets I just is... know Illumination makes a ton of money with their animation and kids go to movies in the summer, so I which, bumped it pretty high on my list. Which can be frustrating. You know, over the past couple of years, we've not only seen a decline in the number of kids' movies being released. Quantity and quality. Right, but the quality hasn't necessarily mm-hmm. been there. Last year was okay. Last year, we it was there was an uptick in the quality of kids' movies. I'm not as confident in this year in giving us quality kids' movies. Um, this one originally starred Louis C.K., but he's gotten into trouble since then, and so they've recast it as... Patton Oswalt, whom I like even better than Louis C.K., so that's okay with me. Sure. It's also going to score some brownie points for me in the casting of Harrison Ford. I do remember when we got that trailer that, that you brought it to our screen cleaning attention. And... That's the only part of the trailer that made me laugh out loud, and so I would go see it for Harrison Ford alone. However, I just have not really seen an illumination film that I've been crazy about. I feel like there are other more deserving films that have similar themes that are just put out by a different production company. Those ones should have gotten their own franchise. Jeff is talking about Megamind and Despicable Me. The fact that we have Minions now is all the fault of Despicable Me getting sequels and not Megamind, which Jeff prefers with a villain that is kind of the hero and... Yeah, I think this movie's going to make more money than I feel maybe it should. It deserves. Yeah. So kids' movie. It's interesting to look at kids' movies in the box office. Hotel Transylvania Three: Summer Vacation came and went last year. I think you went to see it. Oh yeah. Um, and you gave a review of it here on the show, but we didn't really put it up there in the annals of great 2018 movies. It was in the top ten in the box office in the summer last year. Kids' <sighs> movies always find their way there, That's and right. Secret Life of Pets definitely will. So my number, let's see, ten, nine, eight, seven, six. My number five pick is not going to be Secret Life of Pets two. It's actually going to be Aladdin. I I think it was a, a very popular Disney movie when it was animated. I do feel like people are a little more optimistic now that they're starting to release more footage of it. And again, it's a kid's movie. It's Disney. Disney has a lot of power. They're going to put a lot of resources behind it. So I do think it will be the number five movie of the summer. I just don't think the summer's big enough for two 90s live action remakes from Disney. Interesting. I I think you're hinting at a film that's going to creep up pretty soon here on our top 10 list. So then what is your number four pick, Cole? My number four is one that you've already mentioned. I think that the Fast and the Furious franchise has enough power here at the domestic box office Mm. that it'll be a little higher than where you put it. I've got it number four for, let's see, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. Well, I've got my number four as The Secret Life of Pets 2. Nice. Yeah. Ready for number three? Because I yes. think now that we're at three, the last three movies are going to be very similar. Here. Yes. Let's see what order we have them in. <laughs> My number three is Spider-Man Far From Home. Interesting. Okay. Now, what is this movie about? Do you feel, Do you think this movie is going to be Peter Parker 
post-Avengers Endgame, or do you think it's going to be before the events of Endgame? Or maybe during the snap? Like, were they actually mm. dead during the snap, or were they just teleported somewhere else? No, it's probably just <laughs> after Endgame. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the filmmakers, I think the Russo brothers tried to pretend once people noticed that, oh, Spider-Man can't be dead because he's got another movie coming out. And same thing with Black Panther. And Doctor Strange. Right. So I think the excuse they were giving was, well, this could, I mean, maybe this took place before the snap, you know? I don't think that's going to be the case. I also think it's going to be the events following the snap, which is kind of kind of weird to begin with. Oh, we can't – I almost gave out a huge spoiler. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to backtrack. It's been a week. I, we're uh, okay with little spoilers No, I'm right not going to spoil anything. But, the Russos uh, were actually on Good Morning America recently and mm-hmm. announced that officially Monday is the day where you can start spoiling things <laughs> recklessly. So we should probably hold back a little. See, I don't think the Russo brothers should be allowed to be the authority on that just because they made the film. They're the ones that sent out the document saying don't spoil Endgame. Yeah. So I think yeah. that this is their cause. So what is Spider-Man Far From Home going to be about, Cole? Uh, Peter Parker and his high school buddies go far from home. It looks like they're on a little summer vacation or a field trip of some sorts abroad. Uh, they run into Mysterio, played by mm. Jake Gyllenhaal, maybe some other Spider-Man villains, and Spider-Man probably saves the day. It's weird, though, because he's supposed to be a villain, but it looks like he's kind of protecting Peter Parker in the trailer. Mm. Hmm. We'll see. Maybe he's like an onion, and he's got lots of layers to him. We will see. Okay. Like Shrek a little bit. So my number three is going to be the Disney film that Cole kept hinting at, a live-action film that is directed by John Favreau, who made a ton of money with the last live-action Disney remake that he did, uh, The Jungle Book. So I feel like... Sort the, of live-action. Yeah. I feel like the Lion... Well, the same could be said of The Lion King, which is live-action quotes, but uh, is very much going to be full of CGI And I also think it's going to make a ton of money. Now, the interesting thing about this, even though it's a remake of an animated feature, it has a returning cast member from that animated version of The Lion King. James Earl Jones. Not bad, Cole. Not bad. Playing the same role. And uh, it's, it's got a great cast. I think people love The Lion King so much. And people haven't complained about it like they have with Aladdin. So I think it is going to be the number three film of the summer. I love the idea of The Lion King making a lot of money. I don't know if I'm going to love it a ton. These live action remakes have been hit and miss for me. Yeah. But yeah, Lion King will be coming up on my list. I'll I'll talk about it even after my number two, which I don't think is Lion King either. I think that number two for me is Toy Story 4. Are you kidding me? Number two. Which kind of gives away the fact that my number one, I really believe in The Lion King making money this summer. Okay. Now, I, I'm i going to disagree with you here in a minute. But Toy Story 4, of course, is the movie that people will reluctantly go see. And the reason I say that is because I think people were so satisfied with the way that Toy Story 3 ended It finished things up perfectly. It wrapped everything up in a nice, neat bow. And we're just saying hello to these toys yet again because why? 
Disney's behind it, and it continues to make money. See, and this this idea is why I, I'm a little lower on Toy Story for than it being number one. But it's also kind of the reasoning behind me having Spider Man at three. People kind of felt a, a little bit of finality with the way Endgame ended, hmm. and and the fact that Disney is officially kind of sticking Spider Man into Phase Three. It's not actually starting Phase Four yet. We're not going to get any news about that until after Spider Man. I think it's going to suffer a little bit the way Ant Man and the Wasp suffered last year, coming on the heels of Infinity War being a little bit smaller of a story. And Ant Man and the Wasp is one of the lowest grossing Marvel movies of all time. The weird thing about Spider-Man is it's also coming out 4th of July weekend, which means it's going to have that little bit of a bump. I was really conflicted where to stick Spider-Man because I think there's a lot of things going against it. A lot of things like my personal just love for the character going for it. This is so interesting, Cole, because Spider-Man Far From Home is my number two pick. Yeah. Because I figured that reluctancy that you talk about isn't going to stop you from sticking Toy Story at number one. I disagree, though, with the reasoning behind uh, – so here's here's my take on it. I don't think people are quite ready to say goodbye to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And according to you, this is still a part of phase three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Officially. Yeah. And I think a lot Until of- they change their minds. Spider-Man Homecoming was a very popular film. People – it probably didn't make as much money as I thought it should have or could have. But it's – the word of mouth was terrific. People listed among one of their favorite Marvel movies. I think people I'm are – I'm one gonna, of those people. We had our yeah. bracket just last week. Remember, you can go check that out if you want our full opinions on all the 21 other Marvel movies. But Spider-Man is in my top two, I think. I, I picked it to go very far in the bracket. Yeah, it's it's going to be Spider-Man Far From Home will be the number two movie of the summer uh, behind what is your number one? I think I can do the math and figure out yeah, what so it is. Yeah, so I said Lion King, but <laughs> okay. you say. I say Toy Story 4. And my reasoning behind Lion King is that it comes a little before the 4th of July weekend, so it will still have – I think it's just got staying power, and it, it'll, it's going to challenge – it's going to still be second place when Spider-Man comes out that weekend. It'll get a big bump, and I just – I look at some of the cultural impact. You have a, a largely African-American cast in this, and okay. you have a lot of – Lion King is held as maybe the best movie of the Disney Renaissance as opposed to Aladdin. This is – The fact that I'm so high on Lion King is one of the reasons why I'm so low on Aladdin is I think Mm. that's going to catch the summer by storm and Aladdin might suffer for it. Okay. Well, I – what I took into account when making my decisions was if there was a previous movie, how much did that previous movie make? And if there wasn't a previous movie, the last movie in the franchise, what did that movie make? So, yeah, I – Toy Story 4 made – or Toy Story 3 made a little more money than – well, I don't want to say than the previous Lion King, but Toy Story 3 made a ton of money. And not only is it Disney, but it's Pixar Disney, and I think 
people put a lot of trust into their Pixar movies a little more than they may with their Disney movies. They did in 2010. I'm not sure <laughs> if they do anymore. Pixar's had a little bit of a lull since. I mean, 2010 was coming right on the heels of Up and Wally mm-hmm. and Toy Story 3. That was the culmination of the golden age of Pixar. We've kind of hit a lull since, and Toy Story 3 was billed as kind of a final chapter. This is the, the end for Andy's story. And so I'm not sure if this one will be able to catch the same kind of excitement to see the end of the story if we're just starting a new story. So basically this summer we've got Disney competing against Disney. Yeah, my top three are all (laughs) Disney movies and so are yours. So Yep, yep. If there's one winner, even if it's not either one of us predicting correctly, it's Disney. Disney okay. will win the summer. So what does the winner get, Cole, in a few months when the when everything is said and done? Maybe will you be able to cheat on your diet for a day and I'll, I'll treat <sighs> you to some of your movie theater popcorn you love so much? So either way, I win. Oh, wait. Oh, I thought you were saying if, if I lose, then you'll still treat me to popcorn. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> All right. Well, time will tell and so will the numbers. So at the end of August, we'll add everything up and we'll see whether Cole was right or whether I was right in predicting the top 10 grossing films of this summer. It's going to be a fun summer. I do want to mention one film that I'm surprised didn't creep up into your list, but I know you're probably going to be a big fan of. And it could be the Dark Horse pick to crack the top 10. And that would be a film that is not a reboot it's not a sequel. It's an original idea, but it also has a superhero or supervillain tie-in, and it's probably going to be rated R. In fact, based on this latest trailer that I saw, I'm pretty sure it'll be rated R. The little film called Brightburn, I think, is going to surprise a lot of people and make a lot more money than you may think. Brightburn being a mo- an origin story of a Superman-type character, this baby boy that just shows up in like this meteor crash or something. And these parents who are childless decide to take it in very much like Superman. Mm -hmm. Although instead of deciding to become a superhero, this young man may be taking his powers in a different direction. Looks pretty dark, Cole. It might be. I I am intrigued. I'll probably check it out. The one that I wish that I could have cracked into the top 10, the horror fan that I am, is Annabelle Comes Home, the latest Ah. chapter in the long Conjuring universe. Conjuring has brand power, but unfortunately, I think if this was Conjuring 3, which is going to come out, it would get a little bit more. Annabelle doesn't have that brand quite as much, but Mm. horror movies always do well compared to their budget, at least. Uh, Annabelle would be my dark horse to crack the list. A movie that neither of us, though, have anywhere close to our top 10 coming out this summer is one not based on a previous movie, but based on a previous video game, and that is Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, it looks very much like a Detective Pikachu uh, movie, but I think... People have been complaining about what they've seen so far from the footage that has been released, something that we'll be discussing when we return as we dive into some of our favorite movie trailers and maybe some of the movie trailers that were a little more deceiving. That's up next on Screen Cleaning. Uh, meow? Ah! Ah! Oh, come on. Okay, pal, I want answers. Basically, it looks like I'm going to have to save your planet. Oh, is that all you 
No, but thank you for asking. That, of course, is the audio from the trailer Sonic the Hedgehog the movie. We heard Jim Carrey's voice in there. Are you at least a little bit excited? I'm a little disappointed, Cole. I was excited to finally see Jim Carrey in a movie. It seems like I haven't seen him one in a long time. And uh, you do actually get a sneak peek of him as the Sonic villain. I can't remember what his name is. It's either Dr. Robotnik or Eggman. Um, He's gone by both Yeah, so video games. You get two different looks of Jim Carrey in the trailer. I don't know if it's the dialogue they gave him or if his improv is getting a little rusty. I mean, who am I to pick on Jim Carrey, who is a comic genius? But the movies he's been putting out lately have not been all that fantastic. And this trailer just does him no favors. For some reason, the trailer didn't get us excited, and it got people actually kind of mad just the way Sonic looks, so (laughs) much so that the creators and, and the director have gone back and said, hey, we heard you loud and clear, we're going to change some of the design of Sonic, which is going to lead to some long hours by the CG renderers here between now money. and when the movie comes out. See, I wouldn't I wouldn't give in to these bullies who, I mean, really... You, Sonic looks pretty bad, though. But you look at the trailer and you complain about his teeth. Come on, folks. And just the Don't overall you have bigger design. fish to fry? You've got bigger fish to fry. Um, yeah, we shouldn't blame Jim Carrey... Uh, it just it looks a lot like Detective Pikachu it, because sometimes trailers can just blend together. Yeah, as all of these summer blockbusters that we just spent a long time talking about are coming out, the trailer is what gets you excited, and the trailer is what drives the box office numbers. We want to give some time today to talk about some of our favorite trailers that stand out from the bunch that don't just remind you of another one. Sure. Or, or look just like something we've seen before. We want to talk about the great ones. And I'll start off with a couple of honorable mentions. Yeah. So we talk about how trailers can sometimes be deceiving. You think the trailer that you're presented is going to make for an amazing movie, and it's not always the case. I think we saw that a couple years back when a little film called Suicide Squad came out and it gave us an incredibly entertaining movie trailer and put to the uh, to the song Bohemian Rhapsody, oddly enough, another film that we've talked about. And the final product was just a mess. I've got a lot to say about the Suicide Squad trailer because it is one of my favorite trailers. It's not just an honorable mention for me. And the trailer was, again, you talk about movies making different decisions after the trailer comes out. The trailer was so well received that a trailer company, a movie trailer company, not a movie making company, got hired to make a recut of the final movie. So really? that's why the first half hour of that feels very fast-paced and music-driven and like a trailer. It's because a trailer company rearranged, re-edited the movie, the final movie that we got. <laughs> before, make... before it hit theaters, you mean? Before it hit theaters, Oh, my yeah. goodness. The theatrical version of this movie was half done by a trailer company and half done by the people that were actually hired to make the movie. I doubt they'll make that mistake again. Now, not to blame this company. I mean, it was just, it was not a good script. Movie trailers and movies are two different things. The trailer was really amazing and... That's what we get when we got such a good trailer. Okay. Well, my other honorable mention would also have a Joker tie-in. And this one I really wanted to put in my three favorite trailers. However, the movie is not even out. 
I have no idea if the movie will be any good, but I know that we're judging it on the trailer alone. Trailer only. And it blew me away. And Cole, you remember me telling you, that's the best trailer I've seen in years. And it is for a movie coming out in October, simply called Joker. Joker. That's Joaquin right. Phoenix's Joker. It is very unsettling. The music in this trailer is among some of the best songs I've heard in a movie trailer before because they've taken – I can't remember the name of the song exactly, but it's uh, If You Just Smile or something like that. They've taken the song, and it sounds like what they've done is they've had the people who've worked on the soundtrack tweak it a little bit to kind of give it this haunting vibe. And it's a really unsettling, creepy trailer. Joaquin Phoenix in and of himself is kind of unsettling. And he's going to be fantastic in this role. Wouldn't it be interesting to see two different actors win an Oscar for portraying the, the same, same role? fictional character. Wouldn't yeah, that be awesome? Yeah. So I like that you brought up the music because this encompasses a whole category of trailers that I love. I am a sucker for sticking music into your trailer and, and kind of coordinating your beats and your cuts to that music. Suicide Squad, like I said, is always going to be one of my favorite right. trailers. The Logan trailer set to Hurt by Johnny Cash was amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, the Social Network came out back in 2010 was originally it looked like just a movie about Facebook set to creep, just a creepy version of That's creep by right. Radiohead that really gets you invested. Even Age of Ultron, even if it's one of the lower rung Marvel movies, had an upper rung trailer by having Ultron James Spader talk <laughs> in the I've got no strings haunting music. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's kind of a major theme you see in movie trailers is to take this happy peppy song and turn it into Slow something that's it down. Right. Make you think. Right. Yeah. So one of my three favorite trailers and there are probably so many that I'm overlooking, but these ones are just fresh in my mind. I don't feel like I see too many great comedies these days. But that changed last year when a movie came out with a great cast, kind of a silly premise, and uh, nothing super original, but there was an interesting twist on it, and the trailer just made me laugh so much so that I had to see it. It was a movie called Game Night. This is instructions on how to remove a bullet. It didn't have rubbing alcohol, so I got you this lovely shard. Good idea. Way to pivot. And then a squeaky toy. For the pain. That's smart, huh? So it's an action comedy. The premise is these friends get together for these game nights. This one is a little more dangerous and unbeknownst to them, the danger is real when they think it is they think they're just a part of a murder mystery night. And Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams are this married couple. Jason Bateman has been shot in the arm, and what you just heard there was this very funny scene of these People that are not used to dangerous situations trying to remove a bullet from his arm and with hilarious results. I love the trailer. I love the movie even more. It is rated R, so you do need to be careful. And this kind of expands our trailer conversation because on YouTube – 
red band trailers right. become a very big thing. For R-rated movies, they want to get those raunchy moments into your trailer as well. And so they even rate the trailers kind of for mature audiences only. This had this clean version of the trailer, and they also had a red band trailer, as most R-rated comedies do. Right. I want to talk clean comedy for a second and mm. kind of how you figure out how to make a funny trailer for your funny movie. You can uh, use a variety and maybe use your brand capital the way Disney once did. Sounds normal so far. Right. And that is Stitch of Lilo and Stitch. Did Jasmine just get in the car with Stitch and leave Aladdin high and dry? She did. Back in those trailers for Lilo and Stitch of 2002, there were a lot of just Stitch comes in and kind of crashes the classic Disney Renaissance movies. And then they say... Get your own movie. And then it goes into kind of your normal trailer. That's kind of the beginning of when Disney started poking fun at themselves. Now it's pretty much all they do. But uh, interesting. This was one – and I appreciate being on the cutting edge of that. I also – one of my honorable mentions for funny goes to the original Austin Powers trailer that came out (laughs) – in uh, 1999, if you know me, that's a big year for oh, movies. Yeah. The Spy Who Shagged Me came out the same year as The Phantom Menace, and it starts off like it's a trailer for The Phantom Menace, and then they say, if you see one movie this summer, it'll probably be Star Wars. But if you see two, go see Austin <laughs> Powers as well, and they it's, it's very, very funny. So my next pick for one of my favorite trailers is another one that came out last year. It's one that had people in tears just from watching the trailer. A lot of trailers will make you laugh. It'll make you be on the edge of your seat because it's so intense. But this is one that was so uplifting and so emotional that people actually cried during the trailer of Won't You Be My Neighbor. The greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? My fear with this movie is that people like my mother, who aren't necessarily huge Mr. Rogers fans, I don't remember watching a ton of Mr. Rogers, that they'll overlook this film because, you know, that's, that's not my thing. No, you don't understand. You must watch this movie. It is a very uplifting, positive film that actually challenges its audience to go out and be a better person. And for that reason, and for the just for the trailer alone, you got to check out Won't You Be My Neighbor. The next category of trailers I'd like to talk about is the teaser. I think it's a dying mm. art here because we get we get five seconds of a teaser because on YouTube you can sometimes skip an ad after five seconds. So yeah. you got to cram everything in there. And then we get just these long, overbloated three-minute, four-minute trailers that give away the whole plot of the movie. No. Give me, give me a solid minute and a half that just has one scene that maybe doesn't even make the final cut of the movie, and I am sold. I think Super 8 did that best when it starts off and and i don't have audio of it because there's no dialogue in it it's just this 
this car that starts turning onto a train track and it crashes the train and we're interspersed with some text that tells us Area 51 is being evacuated and we had to get all the stuff out of it so it's on this train to Ohio and boom and then something's getting out of the train and it hooks you and and I was hooked and I really I love that style of teaser the way that Super 8 did it. An honorable mention for teasers, back to 1999, The Blair Witch Project. The way they did all of their marketing. The movie, take it or leave it, it's just a found footage movie, even though it was the first good one. But the marketing around it to make you convinced that this was really a true story and that these teenagers did go out to make this documentary of a real witch, it caught the zeitgeist of people and it, it... did what a trailer is supposed to do and drive you to watch the movie. I remember seeing that in high school and it was all the rage. The theater was completely packed and it was just so much fun to realize or to think about the fact that people thought this was a real story. And it only took a teaser to do it. Yeah, that's amazing. They didn't have to give away the plot, not that there is much of one in the Blair Witch Project, but they teased you and I love that. So my final favorite trailer that I want to talk about had – What I thought was a pretty effective teaser, I think it intrigued people, if not frustrated them at the same time, because, you know, you watch this very short teaser and all you got was a logo and some voiceover. But I think people were intrigued enough that when the number two trailer came out, not the teaser, not trailer number one, but trailer number two for this film came out, people were all in. You've changed things. There's no going back. See, to them, you're just a freak. Like me. Let's put a smile on that face. I knew that you'd bring a Chris Nolan trailer. I didn't know it would be this one. Thanks, and, Jeff. And by the way, of all the ones that I've mentioned, that's the third Joker. In, the third one that involves the Joker. Three different Jokers, too. Right. Now, what's great about this, it's very visual, but it's also very – the audio quality of it is fantastic. You get scared just listening to Heath Ledger's The Joker, just just listening to his voice. But then when he says – like me, you get this image of him standing in the street. The camera's a little far back, and he's just kind of menacingly staring at the camera. It is creepy. And then at the end of the trailer, when you hear the voiceover saying, let's put a smile on that face, he is turning around and looking over his shoulder. Ooh, it just sends chills down your spine. It's no surprise that he won the Oscar, and it's no surprise that it's the greatest superhero villain movie or I'm sorry the greatest superhero movie ever made and Cole would agree with me on that I love the dark knight you're not going to get me to to change my mind just for the sake of disagreeing with you Jeff my my top trailer comes back to what I started the conversation talking about and that's when you can time your music to the blow for blow action and oh, yeah. kinetic energy within your trailer suicide squad if it's not my favorite This would be – it is the Mission Impossible Fallout trailer set to Friction. I knew it. By Imagine Dragons. And the way that they blended Friction into that very recognizable Mission Impossible theme gives it bonus points. The way that Henry Cavill kind of cocks his arms and gets ready for the fight. All of – every single blow, every single cut was just done perfectly. The way it sets up with your villain from the last movie – 
giving us these lines that we know so well from the Mission Impossible franchise, your mission, should you choose to accept it. But have you ever said no, Ethan Hawke? And just Mm. giving us that question and wondering what kind of movie will this be and then going into the hard action. And it's just – that is a – that's – as much as I love the Mission Impossible franchise, that trailer is my favorite Mission Impossible movie just because it captures everything that that franchise gives us so well in just two and a half minutes. If I have a complaint about movie trailers today, it would be that a lot of them just show you way too much. You, you watch the trailer and feel like, okay, I don't have to see that because it gave me the whole plot. And one of the cool things about Mission Impossibles is that there are a lot of scenes in that trailer that don't show up in the movie. We yes. see Ethan trying to ram this uh, blockade of a big semi-truck. That never happens in the movie. And so giving us those misdirects was very interesting. And actually shooting something for the trailer is an amazing concept that I wish people would do more of. Well, yeah, it is a trick they're employing more and more, especially when they want people to avoid spoilers, putting in these little scenes that aren't actually in the final film. And speaking of trailers, when we return, we're going to be doing our Panning for Good segment. And this time it involves a trailer and some very good news. That's up next on Screen Cleaning. Ethan, that's not who we are. Maybe we need to reconsider that. We've really enjoyed talking about the big summer movies that are going to be coming out over the next few months, as well as some of the trailers that accompany these great films. And if you haven't checked out Honest Trailers on YouTube, you really ought to, because it puts a comic twist on some of these trailers. Basically, it's a spoof of the trailers that come out. And the spoof... uh, And the trailer genre itself. They get the epic voice guy to put voice over to it. And it's really funny. And at the end, that epic voice guy kind of comes back. Right. He comes back because not only do people suggest movies that they should spoof on these honest trailers, but they also suggest phrases that this guy with this epic movie voice Uh, They offer him phrases that he should say at the end of these trailers. And I pressed pause and did a double take when I saw that there was a message at requesting this voiceover guy to announce to her husband that she was pregnant with a baby and that he was going to be a father. Yeah, I love it when these good news things just creep up in unexpected places. And this just blew me away because I was just expecting to, you know, on a little break, watch this funny little video. And I left feeling uplifted and happy for this couple whose lives are about to change for the better. And it's fun when people can come together over things that they love, right? You'd think that her putting this there, that's going to be a video that he's going to be watching anyway. They both love that channel. They both love movies in general. And so this is that announcement. That's so fun. So check out Honest Trailer, uh, Honest Trailers and check out some of these other trailers that we've suggested. And over the summer... We'll see which of these films is going to be the best film at the box office. It makes the most money. 
All right, there's a pizza on the line, or at the very least, a movie theater popcorn. That's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. We're here each and every weekend, Saturdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. 